it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, along the great Gangster Pete. He calls himself Young Jamie. Is that right? Usually I just call myself Pete. Right. Or Gangster Pete. (laughs) Or Young Jamie Jamie works. Sounding board. I feel like I don't utilize you as a sounding board enough for what you can bring to the table. So that is my goal in today's questions from the audience is to uh, throw it back to you. Last week I did only fan page, but that's because, for those of you who did not listen yet to uh, last week's questions from the audience, I thought the Barnhart Brawler asked a great question. I really liked that question. Uh, It's the kind of question, well, it's a type of, I don't want to say it's the kind of question that I prefer, but it is a type of question that I like because... You can kind of wander in and out, and there really is no correct answer. But to uh, to lay it out for those who did not hear it, the question was, what is the difference between, if there is a difference, between political correctness and don't be a dick? And, uh, and you know, I, and, I, and I got good feedback on it. I'm excited that the questions from the audience continues to grow with more questions throughout the week via email and then we get some on the fan page too like I said last week was all fan page because as I've said I think I've now said this every single week but it doesn't change and I had dinner with my wife uh, last night and I was saying I love questions from the audience I don't know necessarily why I love questions from the audience but I'm surprised that the audience enjoys questions from the audience because to me it's essentially me babbling, really with no particular direction, for at least an hour. Sometimes we've gone two hours, and occasionally I'll get the ball in Gangster Pete's hands. Um, but it surprises me that there is uh, popularity with questions from the audience. So that's exciting, because I enjoy doing it, and if people like it, then great. Um, but every week we have an interview, at least we have, uh, every week, going back to the beginning of the show, Gary Pinkle, the very first one in October of 2017. If you have not listened this week, Cardinal shortstop Paul DeYoung from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios in Jupiter, Florida, here for spring training, is our guest. Last week, Alex Reyes. The week before that, Dexter Fowler. I believe the week before that, I, I'm, I feel like I'm forgetting a non-Cardinal one in there. Gang. Oh, Jay Williamson. That's yep. who it was. That's who it was. And then before that, Brian Jordan. Before that, David Eckstein. So we have been bringing you Cardinal interviews from down here. And uh, as I record this on March 12th, 2019, I can tell you that yesterday, which would be March 11th, 2019, I had a conversation with Cardinal manager uh, Mike Schilt. And so that will be our upcoming interview. 
And coming up this weekend, or ideally, really, uh, Monday or Tuesday, um, will be Adam Long. And Adam Long is a St. Louisan who won the Desert Classic by beating Phil Mickelson. It was probably was back page of sports headlines when it happened because it happened like within an hour of the famous non-pass interference call in the Rams-Saints game, especially in St. Louis, people cheering for the Saints. Um, and then the sports world was focused on that. And, of course, the Chiefs-Patriots game, which was a classic as well. Uh, but, yeah, he beat Phil Mickelson, kind of came out of nowhere to do it. He hadn't made a cut since then. And this past week, he was tied for second, I think a stroke off the lead when he was on the 17th hole, teeing off on the 17th hole, and he wound up finishing, if I'm not mistaken, tied for 10th, which was huge for him. Because um, I was kind of like, man, he might not want to do an interview if this continues to kind of go in the wrong direction. But to to T Tennant, <laughs> I was watching his name for that reason. Thank you very much, Gangster Pete. We're on the same page. And I, and I actually put him on a few of my DraftKings teams. This was a week where I did not use my uh, wizard, which actually is one of the questions here on uh, questions from the audience this week regarding DraftKings teams. Um, it was strictly an emotional play, but I was texting with Adam, I guess last Monday, he had played in this member pro thing that they have at Seminole Country Club. Seminole Country Club has to be one of the most exclusive country clubs in the country. It's, I guess, specifically it's in Juneau Beach, which is just to the east of Palm Beach Gardens and Jupiter. It's on the water, on the actual ocean. And, uh, I mean, you name it in the PGA Tour, minus Tiger, they were playing it. Even the dudes who didn't play in the Honda Classic, which is 10 minutes from Seminole, uh, like Mickelson and Rahm and Fleetwood, they're there. And Adam played early in the morning, and his partner was the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred. And so I was texting with him uh after he got done and I'd followed up with him a couple times. And I think I was kind of at the point, like if he doesn't respond this time, you know, I'm just going to leave him be. It's not going well for him. He just missed the Honda classic cut by a, by a stroke. He might not be in the mood to talk. And then he got back to me and he said, Hey, uh, I'm playing at Bay Hill, the Arnold Palmer invitational, um, which, um, Francisco Molinari won and uh, he T 10 and then I'm playing at the players but then I'll be back. He lives in Palm Beach Gardens, which is where we're staying at PGA National Resort. And uh, and he said, but I can do it over the phone. I said, ah, you know, since we're both in the same area, why don't we wait until you get back to town? And so after the players, hopefully he makes the cut and hopefully he has a big weekend. Uh, we'll sit down with him. And I'm really looking forward to that because this is a guy who's kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, people in St. Louis who follow the game know he's a great player, of course, but to get his card, then to win an event, to beat Phil Mickelson with what was a six-shot, six-second shot on the 18th, and then hit a putt on the 18th to beat him, and they turn the camera to Mickelson, and he just mouths, wow, uh, like, how about the balls on this rookie? <laughs> and uh, and then he, he surges when he was, you know, kind of teetering um, at the Arnold Palmer. I love hearing these stories. And it can be baseball, basketball, football, soccer, hockey. I don't care. I love hearing, like, kind of the – and that's what I got into with Schilt uh, for this this coming week's interview on the Tim McKernan Show, kind of how it all got going for him. Because my understanding going into it was he was a college baseball player. Now, it's not like he was playing at, you know, one of the, like, SEC powers or something like that, but he's a college baseball player. He's a ball player. And then he realized, you know, it wasn't going to happen for him at the major league level and then just kind of – starts getting into coaching and then high school coaching and then he meets Mazalock and then he goes up through the system I mean we're talking about it like the very very bottom 
and then winds up becoming a manager. I mean, the fact that he did not play is one thing, but the fact that he was a high school coach who then graduated to A-ball and scouting and then double-A and winning championships all along the way, I love those kinds of stories. Um, So that's coming up on Monday or Sunday night, if you like to get ahead of the uh, curve here on the Tim McKernan Show. But questions from the audience? It really should just be called babbling with Tim. But if people like the babbling, God bless America. Maybe I'm not babbling. In my mind, I'm not babbling. But since it's essentially me talking with an occasional past gangster Pete, I consider it to be babbling. But if people like it and they have questions, great. Because now they're asking questions throughout the week, which means this week I am, uh, I am locked and loaded with questions from the audience in the, uh, in the email inbox. And I see, and I go over to the fan page, and I see, I just said, hey, I already got a bunch of questions in email, but if people want to ask them on the fan page, I'll have some in there. And I see the Barnhart Brawler is back. And just because I felt like he, he had a big uh, show last week, I'll see what he has. Do we need people to be good for good reasons, or if people do good things for selfish reasons, or to avoid a PR crisis, is that okay? God, this Barnhart Brawler. Deep. I like his questions. You like that? Yeah, deep. Yeah, I mean, that's a, or, or he offers a second question, if I don't want to tend to that, is a Pop-Tart a ravioli? Uh, also, <laughs> another kind of tree falls in the forest, doesn't make a sound question. Uh, I, I'll, I'll yield to the floor on the Pop-Tart question. On uh, the former, however, um, I would since he phrased it, I'm going to get an out here. Because if he didn't phrase it this way, I don't think I would have the out. Do we need people to be good for good reasons? And my answer to that is yes. Um, Or if people do good things for selfish reasons or to avoid a PR crisis, is that okay? My answer to that is also yes. But since you phrased it, Barnhart Brawler, do we need people to be good for good reasons? My answer to that is yes. Um, In other words, simply doing the right thing because he or she believes it is the right thing. And that's it. and I am of the opinion that that's the play. I feel like, for me personally, I think most pe- I think most people, I think, I could be wrong on this. Sometimes, Gangster Pete, I think you think I'm too hard on myself, so feel free to opine. I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, that I think because I am not um, small-talky, nice guy, small-talky, nice guy, that therefore there is an equation to therefore not likely to be good guy um, can lead to a misperception. Of course, what, what, what is a good guy or a good person? Um, to me, it's the person who does the right thing. And the person who does the right thing might not necessarily be the person who's like, hey, how's everything going? That's just not me. It's just not me. I mean, I guess sometimes it's me, but, but for the most, it's just not, it's not who I And nor do I want it in return. Uh, again, it kind of goes back to treat others how you want to be treated. Actually, that would be the way that I would sum it up to be as concise as possible. But um, I think it is good for humanity if you have people just wanting to do the right thing or treating others how they would want to be treated. Now, that is my definition of it. But the byproduct of doing something that is uh, charitable for selfish reasons, i.e. attention whoring with your charity, which is certainly kind of a standard practice, um, whether it be Hollywood or elsewhere, uh, or to avoid a PR crisis, yeah, the byproduct is a positive. So how can that not be okay? Um, but my preference for the greater good would be the former, which is people being good 
for good reasons. And the good reason would just be they believe that's right, and that's the best way to get along. And by get along, I mean get along with others and through life. But I think whether it be... um, because I almost, I almost kind of look at myself, actually, when I'm saying this. I'm like, I think when I was like 10, 12, 15, maybe 18, at that point I was kind of having an awakening of sorts. But that if someone wasn't like small talky friendly, oh, that person can't be a good person. Uh, if someone wasn't religious, uh, that person can't be a good person. If someone talks about sex openly, that person can't be a good person. Um those kinds of things. And now it's like, oh, I, I kind of check all those boxes. Um, and I'm like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable with how, and I'd like to think that the vast majority of people who worked with me would go, yeah, you know what, he's kind of a, you know, whatever creep uh, when it comes to that. Or yes, absolutely, he's godless. Uh, but you know what, if he says it, you can kind of take it to the bank. I take great pride in that. Um, and maybe it's a fault, actually, because it can kind of box you in, I suppose. But I want people to know that if I say it, that they can count on it. And if for whatever reason something changes, they're going to hear as to why. And so last night when I was interviewing Schilt and I was in his office up at Roger Dean Stadium, a lot of what we talked about was communicating with people. And uh, and, and one of the focal points was, and I don't know if it's an off-the-record story, and it didn't come from Schilt, but like one of the first things that he did when he was named interim manager, not even full-time manager, um was be very direct with a prominent player. And I know this is terrible because this drives people up the wall because I'm not being specific, but I don't know if this was like an off-the-record thing, so I don't want to violate that. But either way, it would, it would speak to, he, you know, he's very direct with this person. And a person probably hadn't been talked to like that, not like some condescending, lighting them up, hashtag hold them accountable thing, but saying, hey, this is the situation, and you need to do this. This is the way that it works here. Um, and it kind of sets a tone, but not doing it like in some kind of asshole way, doing it because that's what his responsibility is, is to lead the team. And, uh, but, but you can lead without doing it out of like fear or treating people poorly. And I guess in some sense you can go back to the lead by example thing, but I just think you, I think I, I just, I've never understood for real. And I'm, I'm talking about, you can talk, take this to, to a small business with two employees or global policy, why you wouldn't be willing to sit down at a table or have a phone conversation if a sit-down is not possible and give perspective, even if you disagree. Um, I, just, I, I, I really don't understand that. Now, I suppose I'm operating off of the, a, 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 a premise that the person with whom you'd be sitting down with is not violent or in some capacity a threat. Um, and because of one reason or another, so that I, I do need to, but if we can take that extraneous detail off the table, I am, I'm of the opinion that that's the best way to handle things. And so often I feel like, and I've had this with me personally, but I just feel like in general, if people sit down and have a conversation, you know, the animosity that might have existed at the outset of the conversation, at the very least, dissipates, and sometimes it goes away, and you build a, uh, you know, some kind of either business relationship, partnership, friendship, whatever the case might be, because so many things can often be misrepresented through a lack of context of email or text or just hearsay, and so I'm all for that, and and so I think 
communication is one of the elements of being a good person, even though it can be awkward in the end. It is the the proverbial one step backward for two forward. So, um, yeah, it's it, that. I love the question. This Barnhart brawler, he brings it every week. Uh, Gangster Pete, any thoughts? I said this week I'm going to get the ball in your hands, and here I am. I want to get the ball in your hands and hear what you have to say. I'm not big on small talk either. Like, mm-hmm. uh, once I get to know you, I'm much more gregarious and outgoing. But to me, like, hey, your actions speak louder to your words until you've kind of entered that circle of trust. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, I think that kind of sums me up, actually. So maybe other people or more people are like this. I don't know. You know, somebody sent me because I started out last week's questions from the audience by saying how much I love doing questions from the audience. So even if people didn't really enjoy it or like it was getting listened to or downloaded like 10 times, I think I probably still would would do it because it's it serves as some kind of meditation. But somebody sent me something and I think it's actually a book. Um because I was really, like, surprised by getting a, uh, immediate responses to this because you had just put it up, and, like, within an hour we got a response and say, hey, I just listened to questions from the audience and what you were saying at the beginning about how much you enjoy doing it, how much you just enjoy the silence, even though I'm talking, uh, it, it speaks to you being an introvert and how introverts need silence to recharge, whereas extroverts need social interaction to recharge. Now, I feel like that's one of those things that sounds good, but might not actually be true, but he sent a link to a book that he said I would find fascinating um, that would, would further explain it. I have not read the book yet. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, if, I don't know if that's it. All I know is that for whatever reason, and I, I told my wife this 11 years ago when we uh, first met, I said, I'm just letting you know. That and this is this is through a series of relationships dating back to 1995. That now I know myself, and I know that for whatever reason, at times I just need to be alone. Now, if somebody didn't understand what was going on, they might go, "God, what an asshole!" But uh, it's it's just it's just how I am. I have no idea how to explain it, and it's not necessarily a oh god I can't possibly deal with you it's just I just I need to be alone I have no idea why it might be one of the reasons why my two obsessions since 2004 poker and golf are individual activities you know playing online poker was as solitary as it can get Um, and then it might be the reason why I didn't like to play live poker because then you are actually interacting with people or at least you can be Um, and uh, in golf And and a lot of times I'll be like you know what I'd love to play, but I kind of just want to put earbuds in, either listen to a podcast or listen to music and just hit balls. And and that and that, that is something that I love. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe maybe other people have read this book. But uh, Barnhart Brawler, wonderful question. Once again, tip of the cap to you for, uh, for uh, fine work um, in questions from the audience. Okay, I promised that I would go into the emails, and already I've gone into the fan page, and I haven't gone into the emails, and I set aside five uh four questions from the audience today from the homeloanexpert.com studios ryan kelly and his incredible staff the sponsor of our studios here on the tim mckernan show from the inside stl podcast network ryan is somebody who puts his money and his actions where his mouth is so impressive and when i like i say every time i talk about him like i know you know you're not you're not doing business with ryan because he's a great guy but if all things are equal, and they're not, but if all things were equal, 
the fact that I can tell you, like when, when it's just Ryan and I BSing, whether it be in person or over the phone, just like this dude, you know, he just has an appreciation. Obviously, he's done very well for himself, but it's not like he was, you know, not that it would be wrong because I feel like people kind of get shit, in, shit on if they're born into something or have an advantage, like it's, it doesn't count as much. Um, but Ryan was, you know, working in clubs on Washington Avenue in the late 1990s, and, and, and look what he built. And he took every dollar that he had for him and his wife and believed in the business and grinded and grinded and grinded and then built it. Uh, that podcast with Ryan from, like, August of 18 is, because uh, I get one of the questions I think today actually is about entrepreneurial um, ideas uh, for entrepreneurs or people who are curious about it. Man, that's that's recommended listening. But anyway... Ryan knows his business, uh, whether it be refinances, home purchases, and now also the Baton Memorial Death March, which Ryan is participating in. That's what he does. Uh, he gives back. He thinks it's important. He doesn't do it because, you know, I mean, he just does it. He, you know, and candidly, I think I'd be cutting checks. But but that's not because I'm like, eh, I don't want to work. It's because I'm scared. I'm scared. He's climbing mountains. I am scared. Uh, and just a good guy who runs a great business, and it's Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com. The Baton Memorial Death March, by the way, is a 26.2-mile hike in the desert, New Mexico. Despite injuries, Ryan continues to go back to support the active and retired service members. It's Ryan Kelly online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Our studio sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show. All right, here we go. Let's go into the uh, questions in the uh, Hot Shots uh, email inbox. Uh, Tim. Have you ever had an advertiser or a prospective advertiser ask you to either censor or alter content on the show? And if the answer is no, how do you think you would handle such requests? Cheers to Dalian Stallion. Now, I don't know if this is TMA or if this is this show. Um, my answer is, assuming that I am in control of it, um, my answer is I understand I'd completely respect it because I suppose I've heard, it's been a while, like when I'm talking while, I'm talking years, um, where you've had advertisers say, listen, I really like the show and I know you have a following, but we can't put our show or our advertising in your show. And 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 I don't take that personally. I get it. As a whole... I disagree with it, not because, oh, that's the show that we do, or the podcast, although that it certainly has never come up with a podcast, but I, I, I get it from a personal preference standpoint, but to me, if you're placing advertising buys, your responsibility, assuming that you are not the owner, so if we're operating off of this, you know, an advertising buyer, you're your responsibility is to generate the most return for your your superior, whether that be an ad agency uh, or um, the owner. Then I would say that you reach the largest audience you can. And with TMA and with the Tim McKernan Show podcast, it's a unique audience in St. Louis, which which is you know more often than not men, but certainly not absolute. Um, and usually uh, college degrees or college-educated professionals and in their 20s and 30s and 40s. And in St. Louis, while that's like could be as common as the day is long, say if you go you know, five hours to the northeast in Chicago, uh, in St. Louis it's not as great of a population. 
Um, and so that's not to say it doesn't exist. I'd like to have my deflection up for the, the email. Uh, but but that it's like, oh, I don't like it. You know, like, I don't know. If, I don't know. If Sarah Palin were giving a speech, you know, and I, you know, not, not, not my personal favorite, but it was going to do something that would reach and give us a return for a business that I operated, I would buy advertising on it. You know, I mean, I'm not looking to, I mean, do you, do you follow what I'm saying, Gangster Pete? This is me getting you the ball again. What are your thoughts? Agree, disagree? I mean, I didn't think you really made your point yet. Wow. I think you're Pete. getting there. Gangster Pete. Well, what I'm saying is my personal viewpoints on politics, sexuality, religion are my own viewpoints. And I recognize that, hell, I don't even know how many people share them. Um, I, I certainly know in St. Louis I'm in the minority. I mean, I'm in the minority, minority, minority. Um, I think on all, actually. I know I'm in the minority as an agnostic. Well, I don't know. I'm confident I am. I am virtually certain I'm in the minority of my viewpoints on sexuality. And um, what was my other one that people would uh, I'd be in the minority on? Did I say it? Nurse? Nancy? Well, either way. Uh, the, the premise is, is that that's my own thing, but business is separate. And therefore, I'm going to do whatever I can to reach the most people. So I disagree with the foundation on which somebody would make that decision, but I 100% respect it and don't take it personally if and when it has happened. And it's never been a case, as the Tadalian Stallion asked, if somebody said, hey, you have to change the content, I will advertise. The show is at a point now, and I guess all three of us who are hosts of the show are at a point now, where it would be different than like if this were year one or year two. It, you know, it's, it's, it's a different situation. But if I take myself back to 2004, I think I would have a different perspective on it. Um, and I guess we dealt with that. I, I can think of one client. I don't even know if they're still in business. It was like a, it was a car deal, but I'm not talking like one of the big boys. I'm not talking about the great people at Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, for example. Highway 270 in Washington, Elizabeth. Exit online at Landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. Uh, and man, I like those Landoffs. That's just an aside, but I really, really do. Uh, and that's where we got Anna Marie's car, and I'm a big fan. But like a, like a, like a one-lot place, so you probably wouldn't even know it. And, I, and now that I think about it, now I know it's not there because it used to be kind of by uh, where the jury is at 40 in Brentwood. Um, and they claimed, and we're talking like 2005, that they were pulling their advertising because they didn't like a topic on what was the morning grind at the time. Now, of course, management... Um, and I wouldn't really describe the management, and I'm not saying this to like shit on them, which is kind of like one of the radio things you do, but I mean, it just wasn't really great leadership. Um, 2005, it just, you know, I mean, it was, you know, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a bit of a clown show, and, uh, you know, they then they blamed us for, um, for losing the ad buy. It was my opinion that they, this person just wanted an out, and so they used this as a convenient example. And, and so, you know, uh, these days we don't, we don't deal with hey, Because here's the other thing. The, the content of TMA is, 
is so benign. I realize like if you're listening to Joy 99 or, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what else. 101, I suppose. I don't know. I don't really listen to 101. It's not a shot. Anytime I say that, it's not a shot. I, I just don't listen to much terrestrial radio in general. I listen to podcasts. And, um, yeah, I guess it could catch you off guard. But, I mean, like in comparison to other shows or even other markets, it's really kind of benign. And I don't think it's ever mean-spirited. And that's what I think the difference is. So even And then on top of that, rarely, like, like even if I'm out on my own on some perspective and you don't like it as somebody who would be considered socially conservative, there's a good chance that either Doug or the cat will represent the social conservative um, or mock my opinion in not in a mean-spirited way that kind of then represents, you know what I mean? That it's not like just like, you know, three heathens sitting there going, yes, I agree, you know, with, with this perverse take. So I think that's another reason why we don't deal with it. But anyway, we just don't really deal with it. I also think that in 2019, unlike when we started in 2004, even though the principle holds true, if you don't like the content, there's so many other options. But there were in 2004 as well. So it's, it's, it's kind of a case of like, oh, you're hate listening. Then I, I feel like that says more about the listener. Oh, my kids are in the car. We'll switch the station. I, you know, I don't, I don't like what, so we should stop because your kid's in the car? It's just a, it, and it, that's one of those things that like, it used to be like invincible. Well, this person had their kids in the car. Who cares? Switch the station. So I've never understood that. Gangster Pete, now I've explained more. Do you, do you have anything or are you are going to shit on my take again? No. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why the questions from the audience is doing so well is because you're just yourself. You tell people what you're thinking. And I think if you are making up takes just to appeal to a large group of people, then, I mean, you're never, you're never really speaking your mind in People can't trust what you say. Yeah. So that you have this forum where you can say exactly what you feel and not hide. I think people are really interested in hearing what you have to say because they know they're getting the real deal. Well, I hope that I hope that I hope people do. I guess maybe that is the case. I don't know. It's it's, it's truly how I feel. Uh, but 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 along those lines, you know, these two thoughts can coexist. I am not religious. However, I would defend passionately. Anybody who would try to take away somebody's right to practice their religion, so, and those two can exist. And I feel right. like right now that that is that that is not necessarily common. I, I think back to the 2006, I believe it was the 2006 uh, election, in which Jeff Supon, the Cardinals, and Kurt Warner, and I think there may have been another one, but did a but did a commercial campaign um, speaking out against the stem cell research legislation that was on the ballot and while i disagreed with it then i disagree with it now and by that i mean what kurt warner and and jeff supon were saying to like shit on them and when i say shit on i mean mock them or just discount them they're giving their perspective based on the religion that they follow and while i disagree with it I, i respect it you know and and so let's let's have a conversation about it as opposed to just, oh well they have their head in the sand on this or that you know 
and, and, and I remember saying that in 2006, and I, I still feel that way in 2019, and I hope I still feel that way in 2032. I hope I don't, because I, I, I really feel like that's an important principle. So with regard to those who would say to Dally and Stallion, I'm not advertising, or I need you to change the content. They say we need you to change the content. We don't want you. You know, I suppose if, if, if for whatever reason I'm still doing this, if I'm like Willie Mays with the Mets and I'm falling around in center field when I, when I should have retired, and this is like the only way I have any chance at making any money, um, you know. Like, and and, and I got to just like dance. Then I guess I then I guess I dance and go. Oh, yes, of course, whatever you need to do. Fortunately, at this point, that's not where things are. And if somebody came in and said you need to change the content, I'd go. Well, that's just that's. I respectfully I disagree with 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 you, and we won't be doing that. And I guess that means you won't be advertising. Um, however, if someone says, you know we can't be on your show then I'm like okay I disagree with it from a business standpoint but I respect it from a personal standpoint I don't think it's smart business but if that's something that's very important to them because while we don't be on a show where somebody says they're agnostic or somebody talks about sex which I think is really overblown like the porn thing that gets attached to me just because I acknowledge that I watch it but like that's a somehow like it's an amazing thing like somebody can you know, have take your pick of whatever offense where actual people's lives are put at risk or if there's violence. But if somebody talks about pornography, somehow that's like the that's the sin we can't possibly come back from. It's a really fucking fascinating thing. But whatever, I'm kind of used to it at this point, and I guess I've survived it. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of ask yourself about that one. Either way, uh, the, to answer your question with a 20-minute answer, um, it, 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 I, I suppose it's 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 come up and it's been a really long time. And at this point, if somebody did, I'd just be like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. And it, and it wouldn't, and, and the podcast content is the thing that I have, you know, control over the most, I suppose. And in other, in order to like want to advertise on the podcast, but then like, go, Oh, we can't do this because you talk about this. That'd be like a weird thing. Like how would it get to the point that you listen to the podcast and want to advertise on it, but then want to change the actual thing that you listen to and then want to advertise on, you know? So I don't see that one playing out. Um, all right, here we go. Another one, Tim, like you, I think, and many young to middle-aged adults coming from a conservative household, I consider myself fairly liberal politically when it comes to social matters, but fairly conservative when it comes to fiscal matters, one thing that has bothered me lately, though, is I feel like the left is becoming extremely radical with many of their policies and talking points shifting considerably further left, such as post-birth abortion, the massive marginal tax rates of 90%, no immigration control or border patrol, etc., while the right doesn't seem to be getting more conservative with their policies at all, uh, just out of the gate, I, I will respectfully disagree with that, and, and, and Ben, who wrote this in, um, and I'm not saying this to like, like the, the theme of this today is shitting on people. I'm not saying this to shit on you. My theory is, based on what you're saying, is that you get your news from a, um, I don't know, whether it be a Fox News kind of outlet, um, which I know immediately will get some people's dander up because that's where they get their, but, but that's, that, that seems like a talking point kind of perspective. Um, and I'm not saying to mock it. It's just it's a reality in which we live. Now, if that's not the case, I apologize, um, and it's a bad read. But I don't. I, I disagree with with the premise. Uh, although I agree with uh, one of the things you said in there, and I'll get to it when I'm done reading the email. Um, I don't say this to try to debate the merit of these policies, but would like to hear your perspective on if I'm totally off base with this theory. 
Again, summarize concisely that the left's talking points are getting very far left compared to 10, 20 years ago, while the rights aren't changing much, and maybe, if anything, becoming more liberal as well. For argument's sake, let's try to keep this to the overall party's positions and not just one random representative from Montana or California. Warmest and cuddliest regards. That's from Ben. Um, Yeah, what I disagree with is the left is becoming extremely radical, whereas the right is not moving its its perspective. And I disagree, I, that's, that's the part that I disagree with, um, whereas I disagree with some of the things that you mentioned as policies. However, with the post-birth abortion, and Gangster Pete, again, getting you the ball, was that not one piece of legislation in Virginia that was struck down and the governor before the blackface controversy uh, didn't necessarily convey where he was on it particularly well. This isn't like a nationwide, you know, right. what, this post-birth abortion thing. Am I correct on that? I don't know where it stands currently, but I know that it was not nationwide. It was in Virginia. Right. Um, so so that, so the, that's the, that's the thing. So, um, what was the other one? The margin, massive marginal tax rates of 90%. Um, I don't believe that that is, I, I believe that's representative of a portion or a couple of people on the left. Uh, no immigration control or border patrol. Uh, again, a couple of people, but it's like, it's like on Twitter, if you want to get yourself, and I'm using Twitter as an example, angry, you can go oh, look at what this one person who represents the right or the left tweeted, and now let's go see. This is what everybody on the right or everybody on the left thinks, and it can get you going. Like as I feel like, you know, I've said a few times here on questions from the audience when I'm down here and I go work out before the show, and Fox and Friends is on, and they're not talking about anything that, at least in my opinion, would be considered newsworthy. It's just here's a here's a wedge issue. All right, done talking about this wedge issue. Now here's another wedge issue, and it just gets people in a tizzy on shit that means nothing to their everyday lives. It's brilliant because you can then demonize the other side, and then it motivates people to vote. Uh, but it's 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 just it's it's complete manipulative tactic and you, if you kind of recognize it for what it is then you don't really get all that worked up about it however <laughs> i agree that over the last oh i guess you could probably tie it directly to the election of donald trump i have noticed um that and i talked about this a couple weeks ago and i talked about clay travis and how when i interviewed clay travis for this show he said he hasn't changed, the media has changed, and so that's what he is observing. I don't know if that's the case or not. I know that's what he said, um, and he said it on this show, and I would imagine he said it on his show, but that's where I know he said it, and I feel like I have noticed that. Um, I think part of that, this is straight theory, do with it what you want. Um, I think part of that is... CNN, which I think I was, for example, I was having uh, drinks on Saturday night, and usually this is not an advised strategy for a conversation at a bar, uh, but wound up, I got one in the morning too, but nobody was wasted or anything, but wound up getting into politics um, loosely. And this person who certainly is is a Donald Trump fan, number one, and um, obviously conservative, uh, was saying, you know, I see what Fox News does and I get it, you know, it's you know, 
because but with CNN, I used to feel like like if I wanted to know what was going on, you go to CNN. And now it's my opinion that CNN saw the success that Fox had by building up their entire programming from January of 2009 to January of 2017 on shitting on Barack Obama uh, and anybody who could be portrayed as affiliated with him, that CNN is now running that offense during the Donald Trump era and probably doing it to a a successful uh, beat. So I think for those who used to go to CNN even if they were conservative, it's kind of like, okay, so there's breaking news. This is where I go. Now you're getting Trump, Trump, Trump. It can feel that way. And I think that is what has gone on. And then I think there has been, uh, and I don't know what it was, because one of the questions on the fan page for questions from the audience, and I doubt I get into it in part because I don't think necessarily the premise of the question is accurate, which is something along the lines of now that Joe Biden is running, what do you think his chances are? Has he announced that he's running, Pete? Um, I'm not sure. I can check for you. Okay. Well, I mean, if he had, you would know. And, and so when I saw the question, I'm like, Did Biden's announced he's running and I didn't know that. Um, but, uh, somebody was saying, um, and this was a headline. He's close. Read, he's close. Okay. Uh, that they didn't think Joe Biden could win. Oh, Rahm Emanuel. Somebody would be certainly close to Joe Biden based on his position in the Obama administration. He didn't know if Joe Biden could win because he is not. Uh, would not represent enough change. And so what I think, which I think would be a mistake if you are in the Democratic Party and you simply want to win in 2020, is this perception, which I just disagree with. Now, maybe I'm wrong, that you have to, you have to come over the top on Trump with somebody who is over the top on the left. I think there are a number of people who would certainly not want to vote for somebody who they perceive to be extremely left, um, but would vote for somebody who they consider to be centrist. And and so when you've had these early straw polls in Iowa and Joe Biden has been leading, I think a lot of people who are on the far left are going, or just on the left for that matter, would consider themselves progressives are going, what in the hell? You know, uh, we there's no possible way this is right. It has to be take your pick of whichever uh, far left person would have to be the one winning. There's no way this is right. And it's kind of a, it's, it's what I, the bubbles I speak to, whether it be a bubble on the right or a bubble on the left. Um, and I feel like with regard to Ben, how you started it, you know, you, you come from a conservative household, you consider yourself liberal politically. You probably, well, you did, you said when it comes to social matters, but fiscally, it's, that's the standard. I mean, God, I don't know how many times I've heard it and how many times I've said it. Socially conserv- or socially liberal, fiscally conservative. And I just feel like that's a way people say, I'm not evangelical. I, th- I think that's, or I'm not going to vote on a single issue like abortion, or I'm not Catholic or whatever. Like, I'm Catholic, but, you know, that's not how I'm going to base my vote. The, one of the conversations I was having, like this, this gentleman said, he goes, the thing I don't understand, and again, this is a guy who's a big, said it himself, I didn't even read, I, based on the conversation, I'm not sure I would have said he's a huge Trump fan, but he's a, he's a huge Trump fan. I just don't understand, like, how the the people who are really, really religious suddenly, like, absolve Donald Trump of, like, all of the... And I go, my answer is abortion. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter as long as he continues to put justices on the Supreme Court that, in their minds, could overturn, overturn Roe versus Wade. I think that's... I think it's kind of as simple as that. Now It, it now is for might, my mom. Okay, gangster, I was gangster Pete. I was about to get you the ball. 
And, uh, and I don't know, my, like my mom was the president of Birthright. And I, it was either in St. Louis or in Missouri, but it's a very important issue to her. And I'm sure some people are going, oh my God, I can't believe that. Or, you know, that's, that sucks. Or no, that's great to hear. Whatever it is, my mom has the most pure and beautiful heart of anyone. We happen, you know, I don't even know. I Politically, I think, I think, this isn't necessarily fair, but I think that that is one of the issues, if not the issue that she will vote for based base her votes on and so therefore she is going to be voting republican which is one of the reasons why when people say well if you voted for donald trump you're a racist i go boy i'll tell you what man you couldn't be more wrong on first off it's just a horrible fucking strategy it's just a horrible strategy it's an absolute horrible strategy. or you're dumb if you voted for donald trump another horrible strategy who's going to go you know what now that you've called me a racist i've seen the light it's just <laughs> not the way that you win people over it's just a, now that you've called me dumb, now I think I'd like to come to your side. It's just a, it's a, and it's and it's shitty. Um, you know, do I think racists voted for Donald Trump? Absolutely. I don't think it's the first time racists have chosen a candidate um, based on feeling like this person has similar views to them. But I don't think everyone who voted for Donald Trump, cutting edge statement here, is a racist. But yet I feel like sometimes it gets labeled that way as opposed to like trying to go into understanding how it happened and and having a discussion on that. Just go, well, it was just a bunch of dumb, you know, people who voted for him. Oh, it was just a bunch of racists who voted for him. That's just not accurate. So I think it's important if you want to see Donald Trump lose that you abandon that kind of thing. And I also think it would be a major mistake to bring somebody as the candidate who would be far to the left. I also think part of that might be, oh, my God, we screwed up in 2016. The people wanted Bernie Sanders, and it was manipulated to make sure that that could never really happen, and now there's a backlash, and so we have to correct that in 2020. But um, as I say, I feel like every other week or so, and I, I would hope the people who... Uh, our Donald Trump supporters hear what I say and know that this isn't just like, because I mean, hell, I just spent a couple minutes right there on it. I personally would not vote for Donald Trump. That doesn't necessarily mean automatically that I would vote for whoever the Democrats uh, have as their nominee. I personally would not. And I'm quite comfortable with that. Um, I always thought uh, that I would never vote for somebody or vote for George W. Bush, that, that I would never feel more strongly about that. I voted for him in 2000, by the way, um, based on the um, Iraq War in 2003 and how against I, that I was before it happened. Uh, and then certainly as things played out and feeling like I was on the right side of history on that one, uh, that I couldn't imagine voting for him in 2004, but there he was, he won. I will not vote for Donald Trump. But I, I think to disregard those who do as either racist or stupid or, you know, self-interested, or whatever the case might be, um, you know, I just, I just, listen, do I think that's a part of it? Sure, but do you think, that, do I think that's the reason why, why he won? I don't, I don't think that is the reason, uh, and I think it does a dis- disservice to the discussion to just like go, oh, racists, there you go. Um, just like if you wanted to say, well, Barack Obama won because he was black, that would be just, I mean, like, I feel I feel like that would be an incredibly ignorant statement as well. Um, I, as a white gentleman, he was one of my favorite people I have ever cast a vote for, uh, still to this day. Certainly was on November 2008, the morning of that, walking out of there feeling great about it. But then when I walked out of the polling place in November 2016, I thought to myself, 
I can't believe I just voted for Hillary Clinton, but there was no way that I that I could vote for Donald Trump. So I think what you are sensing, Ben, is um, is an is an overcorrection, and I think that is what has gone on here over the last few years. Um, and as I say, and I'll say it again, it's a dangerous time. It's a dangerous time. And I realize that's a good talk radio kind of play is to always say it's a dangerous time. Talk radio is, and now cable news, is built on fear, 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 create fear. But, man, I feel really strongly about it. I think it's a dangerous time because people who may have something to say are scared to say it for fear of being labeled whatever career-destroying adjective they would get labeled as. Uh, Next question. Tim, as a 44-year-old first-time entrepreneur, I'm curious if you have ever used a business coach. If not, why? And if so, what did you like, dislike, learn, etc. from the coaching? The answer to your question is no. Um, and I would say I should have. But I wouldn't say like a business coach or a how-to book. What I have found has worked for me personally is to have people I know, I guess you could call them advisors, but people who, when things are going on or a decision needs to be made, I know that I can call or get together with and they will give me their perspective from, you know, not just like, hey, this is my buddy, uh, their perspective from an educated point of view. And I think that that, I, I, God, if I were writing a, a chapter in some kind of entrepreneurial book, which I really wouldn't advise, but let's just say that I were, I would say, first off, surround yourself with quality people. Can't emphasize that enough. Um, and I'm talking, and by that I mean character. And I'm talking about like when Spagnola goes, faith, character, core values. <laughs> Those are the four pillars. Because uh, I think I only named three. What were the four pillars, Gangster Pete? <laughs> I do not remember. Character, team, core values. Those are the four pillars. But... But I'm talking about people he just, you know, it just aren't shitty people. Um, and I think for the most for the most part, there's certainly times where I look back and I go, ooh. Uh, but there's also oftentimes extenuating circumstances. But when you're talking about a, a business that's 14 years old, that's, that's important. Um, that's really important. But then to have advisors, at least one. And I'm not talking about like a family member. I'm talking about somebody who has experience in your field that if and when something's going on, you can get on the phone and, and bounce things off them. I can't advise that enough. That is, that is something that I would majorly uh, recommend. All right, final question. Hey, Tim, I'm really enjoying the podcast. I like how questions from the audience gives you a peek behind the curtain. I have a query. Stop me if it's already been asked. Have you ever talked about or had offers to syndicate the show? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. That comes from Eric. Um who go actually is Bill Pullman's Independence Day speech. And he said that I could say that's who it is. Not that I'm giving his last name, but there it is. Um, no, I will say this. Dan Caesar has asked about that and kind of like, I'm surprised that you guys, you know, I think, I think, I think we, I actually think we could. I don't know. I don't know how anybody would market it outside of St. Louis though. It's like, what the hell would you describe the thing as? Because if you're like, it's a sports talk show, then the people who tune in wanting sports talk would be like, what the hell is this? And the reality of, it, again, it, it, it wouldn't as a sports talk show, but just to play out the hand briefly, the most popular, among the most popular sports are NBA and NFL. 
Now, this may sound, for those who've only spent their lives in St. Louis, is like some kind of blasphemy, but it is reality. And how often do we talk? Almost any time I bring up NBA on, on the show, it's like, God, I'm going to do it. And I almost feel like i got to apologize. And I don't even know why I need to apologize. But just inevitably, there's going to be one text, and for whatever reason, I'll pay attention to it. Why are you talking about the NBA? The Blues are playing the Coyotes tonight. You know? It's just like this just Pavlov's dog type dipshit thing that that like it's it's a huge sport and why why do I like have to apologize for for acknowledging that I don't get it uh I yeah I certainly have theories on it but but either way uh you know that's not what the sh- that's not what the show does is talk NBA and, and much NFL unless it's talking about Crocky um but as far as the players on the show having the ability to do a nationally syndicated show and it resonating with people Yes, I think it absolutely could happen. Do I think it will happen? No, I don't. Um, yeah, I mean, just it's just you know, I mean, it, I, I I just don't I don't see it happening. Um, I don't know how many shows really kind of get nationally syndicated anymore. Anyway, it's not to say that they don't, but I'm talking about like new shows getting nationally syndicated. Uh, hosts do. But like shows that have been around and all of a sudden becoming syndicated, I don't. It's not to say that it doesn't happen. It's just with Sirius and with podcasts, I just don't feel like it happens like it used to. But maybe it maybe it's going on and I could, could be completely buried. But the answer is it has not happened. Um, it's not the first time I've been asked about it. But the honest answer is that there's never been one of the one of the things that's just like a radio formatics issue on it is we have no clock. And, and by that, I mean, it's not like, oh, it's 7.56.30, I have to hit a hard out. It's 7.07.05, that's when you start talking, as in me. You know, it's just, it's, it's improv. Now, not that we couldn't adjust, but uh, it would change in some capacity. Uh, it's like when I've talked with, you know, over the years, one thing that has happened, I guess I've talked about it, but one thing that has happened is FM stations and other AM stations, I suppose, now that I think about it, um, you know, and this goes back to, you know, this goes back, well, I guess when the man and woman thing was, was going on. So six years for certain where it was like the most serious. I uh, have talked about bringing the show over. Um, and one of the things that's like the laugh about, like, listen, no, you do hour long segments, but we can't do that. You know, now that doesn't mean you, you got to do like eight minute sets, but just like, you know, we can't do that. We got to, you know, we got breaks and we got to hit those breaks. And, you know, it's part of the people meters for the, the Nielsen ratings and all that. So um, that has happened. But um, syndication, no. Um, but I'm, I'm flattered uh, that, that people even think it's possible considering how just bizarre the show is. Um, there it is. Questions from the audience going through the email portion of questions from the audience this week. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, uh, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. They are the number one trained dealer in the Midwest. Uh, PGA National Resort and Spa, online at pgaresort.com. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, online at landoff.com. And Mike Judy Presents at Mike Judy Presents. Com. Thank you for everybody for your questions. Send in your questions anytime you want. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the Home Loan Expert.com studios.